0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you. We're just going to be resuming our series in Genesis this morning, so I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and if there's anyone here that doesn't have a Bible, you can just raise your hand, and our ushers will give you a nice sanitized Bible. So we'll be in chapter 9 of Genesis, verses 18 through 29, page 8 of your pew Bibles, I believe. So let's stand together and hear God's word read. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, he planted a vineyard, he drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is your day. These are your people. This is your word. We sing songs to you. You are worthy of all our praise and honor. Jesus, you sit enthroned. So we give you praise and we ask that you would bless us today, your people. Bless us through the reading of your word, the singing of your word, and now the preaching of it. I ask that you would strengthen it, use it to to mold our hearts more into the image of Christ, that we might cherish you and and love our salvation, love our Savior more, that we might have a deep love for one another. And Lord, we ask that your spirit would help us. We are needy, we are weak, so we ask that you would do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're all lovers of a sunny day. It's a beautiful day outside today, isn't it? We love when we can click on the weather network and we can look at the whole week, sun, 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 and nothing, nothing in the forecast provides that possible day that that might spoil or not be, our plans might be spoiled and not be able to come to fruition because of rain or weather. And as we take up our serious, as we resume here in Genesis, we might be tempted to think that it's a similar situation, that all is well, that the forecast is going to be sunny. There was a restart, Remember? God judged rebellion. He deluged it under the flood. He provided a new covenant. There was a worship service. If there was ever a time in human history that all the problems that plague us, all that was wrong, if there was ever a time we could pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and and fix it, it was now, it was this time. The fresh start had begun. Noreen and I have just Rented a new place. And it is beautiful. It's immaculate. It's perfect. The landscaping is perfect. The trees were planted by the owners long ago. They've reached full maturity. There's hardly anything wrong with it. Except there was a a pond in the backyard. And we thought with our young son and maybe visitors we'd get rid of that pond. So we drained it. But to our shock, is after it was drained, we realized that we had a sinkhole in our backyard. There was this pond, there was this hole. And all you had to do was put your foot on the side and that tarp that kept the water in that was full of sludge and slime now would drag you right in. And once you were in, it's nearly impossible to get out. So Genesis seems to offer this new fresh start that's perfect, but it has a similar pond in it. It's the reality of sin. So our main aim in our text today is that our only hope in this sin-stained world comes from above. Our only hope for covering, the covering of our sin, comes from the Lord. So let's look now at the beginning picture of the family that is presented to us in verses 18 and 19. Let's read them together. And the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Kind of makes you think of our nice family pictures we take. We line everybody up. We take the picture. We put it on Instagram, Facebook. Here we are. We look great, don't we? <laughs> so that's a bit what it is. There's a picture here. These are the sons of Noah. It says it twice. This is the family. It also says that these are the ones who went forth from the ark. These are the only people on the earth, these men and their wives, And they went forth from the ark means that they were the people that experienced God's grace. They knew the Lord's judgment of sin. They knew that he was gracious. They got a taste of his heart. But the author alludes us to a few things that are unique. He says Ham, and then he says was the father of Canaan. And he also says that from these the whole earth was populated. So he's drawing our eyes now to Canaan and also to the nations So what are we going to look for in this fresh start? What will life look like? And we easily get it, we we so soon see a picture, verses 20 through 23, aim to display that the flood never completely washed sin away. Let's read verse 20 together. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. So here was Noah bearing the image of God. God said, have dominion on the earth. He has took up agriculture and has become a master, a lord of it. He's planted, he's pruned, he's he's planted, he's pruned, he's raised this up, he's watered it from a young, tender plant to a strong, healthy vine. It's amazing. Looks like things are going well, doesn't it? But let's look at verse 21. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. In such utter simplicity, the Bible reminds us that sin remains. This picture that we thought we might have been tempted to think would be a fresh start, that that the same problems could be corrected, is so easily snatched away. The pond has revealed itself. There's been a slip. You see, sin entered the ark and entered in the hearts of man. And it's reared its ugly head here in the actions of Noah. What did he fall to? He he fell to temptation. He was enticed by strong drink. He would have known the effects of this after all these years. Tempted by the joy and rest it was promised. Kind of ironic that out of the soil, Lamech said, maybe out of this one Noah might bring us relief and yet we see sin. But the consequences were not small. He became inebriated and was lost under the control of the wine. So even though the Bible does tell us what the benefits of wine and alcohol, due to our weakness, it gives us necessary teaching that drunkenness is a sin and can lead to utter foolishness. It gives us that advice like a parent would give to their kid going to the zoo. Don't stick your hand through that bar. You're going to lose it. Proverbs 23 tells us when we get our eyes off the Lord, when we stop fearing the Lord, and we start to, uh, to be tempted to look at that wine and how it, sw- it swithers around the, the glass and shimmers and looks so good and what it can offer, foolishness awaits. Terrible things await. And we see that in Noah. But it's even more. He was naked. He was found naked. The wine left him thinking the cloak was not needed and he left himself utterly naked, cloak cast, sitting in his tent in a state of shame. For the beginning of the Bible, since the fall, nakedness has been connected with shame. We see that God covered the shame of Adam and Eve. It was a barrier that protected human relationships. So here he is in a state of shame and vulnerable. And even worse, staring us in the face is the reality that this was Noah, who for all those years was faithful, who trusted God, who looked to God, who preached, who worshipped. So for both Israel and us today, the message is that sin is alive and well and can hinder the lives of even the godliest person Look at this contrast. Noah before, what we, were, what we heard in the scriptures, and now Noah that we see today. It shouldn't be missed by us. Church, are we prone to sin? Are you prone to sin? Yes, we are. Church, young and old, we are prone and can be tempted. We can fall prey. We can get our eyes off the Lord, onto things of this earth. We are susceptible and weak. Noah here and us are always in need of God's sustaining grace. So let us collectively think about that. Let us cherish the gospel. Let us look to the Lord. And what joy to recognize our neediness and our weakness. Because it breeds humility. It crushes pride. We are all needy people here today. And this humility will only bring us further together. And to sing the Lord's mercies forever. The love of God is a love for sinners. The humble heart he does not despise. But let's move on. Verses 22 and 23 aim to show sin's further effect. Let's read them together. And Ham, the father of Canaan, there it is again, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. So here we see Ham's response. Now these verses have been object of, the object of much debate, did Ham do something that was uh, terribly sinful in the fact that he there was some a sexual immoral act to happen here some think so some think that Ham wasn't guilty of anything that Ham, there was nothing wrong here but both these avenues err the text simply says he saw his father's nakedness but this is a sight that should have made him blush made him instantly snatch the garment that his father had foolishly thrown off and covered him. It was a situation that just screamed, cover me, cover it. This was his father. This is a family. The faithful man also and an image bearer. But yet here was this lurid look, this sensual look. One that saw something that shouldn't be seen and actually enjoyed it. Enjoyed the sensual side. He also enjoyed The side that sees his father fall. Enjoyed seeing the righteous fall. The prospect of spreading this shame further enthralled him. If there was, he was in today's day and age, it wouldn't take him long to put this on Instagram, to phone somebody, to let people know. But this look really did take advantage of his father and robbed him of dignity. It was a first step in a moral decline. And this is not scary only because Ham has taken a moral nosedive. He wanted others to laugh about it. It says, He saw the nakedness of the Father and and told his two brothers outside. Laughter, church, might just be the subtlest way that sin enters our heart, into our families, and into our church. It dumbs our natural conscience that should rise in horror at something like this. It should make, our conscience that makes us recoil, it dumbs it down. And oh how this sensuality has marked our day to day. Our culture plasters it on billboards, on our TV screens, newspapers, on the walls, of all the stores we like to frequently visit. It is shameful. And it's scary when we think of the word the New Testament gives us about its danger to the church. In Ephesians 5 it says, That the beginning of sexual immoral activity in the church of God is joking, coarse joking and loose talk. So we too are susceptible to this. So Lord, protect our church from such talk. May we also forsake gossip that doesn't seek to build up somebody, but to seek to highlight their sin and tear them down. So may God grant us his spirit to fight against such things. So may we view others as God does, as Christians clothed in Christ's righteousness, part of God's family, who God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. But there's another contrast in this text, and it's the next reaction. Look to me at verse 23. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. So while these sins of Noah and Ham come so briefly in Scripture, this one seems to be drawn out. It makes us ask, why? Why does the author give us a little bit longer look at this action of Shem and Japheth? He wants us to see the different way they handled the sin of their father and the sin of Ham wants us to see how they handled his father's vulnerable state. They didn't degrade their father further, did they? No, we glimpsed two people that were actually motivated by discretion and modesty and love for their father. They were immediately concerned with his action. You could just see the scene. Japheth, get the garment. Let's go. Let's cover our father. Let's walk backwards. Let's not look. Let's not degrade him. Let's not partake in this. The text just draws this out. They took the garment and they laid it on their shoulders. They walked backward and they didn't look. It's a wonderful contrast. But it's awkward, isn't it? This sin. It's an awkward story. And how they acted was appropriate. And, church, we are the family of Jesus Christ, the church. We are brothers and sisters. So let us take every opportunity to take up this action of Shem and Japheth and through the power of the Spirit take every opportunity to cover sin. And that doesn't mean we keep things hidden or put on some act. But it means we do so in a heart of humility as we confess our sins to one another, as we fervently pray for one another, serve one another, honor one another, show Christ's heart to them, and show the same vigilance and modesty. Let's present a true picture of Christ to this broken world around us. This is a hospital for sinners. So this story would draw the minds of Israel to the the fifth commandment of God, honor your father and mother, and Shem and Japheth show that love for their father. So God's ways are good and we see his heart manifested in the action of these two brothers as they did what God did earlier in Genesis as they covered this as the Lord covered Adam and Eve with a garment so does Shem and Japheth. Love covers all sin. 1 Peter 4.8 says Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Do we marvel at this heart of God? In the coming years God would give Israel his law. And in that law, God would cover the shame of the lowly. His law allowed people to be released from generational debt, from poverty, and from other things that would actually leave them in that state. His rules are good. So this deed by Shem and Japheth worked to restore the father, their father, and his honor. So sin is alive and well but so is a heart that loves their father. So how will God respond to these sins and responses of Noah's sons? So God gives us a message in this next section, and he points to him as our only hope. So let's read these verses 24 through 27. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers, He also said, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servants." So we read this, and some of this is a little bit confusing. That why is why is Canaan cursed? Why not Ham? Was Ham not the person that committed the sin? It might be helpful to think of an illustration of a father who owns a vast amount of land. And on that vast amount of land are areas with swift running rivers and cliffs and rough terrain and areas where wild animals live. And his children want to go on an excursion and before they go, he tells them, I have marked out a path for you and you will meet these signs that have arrows directing them and my words under them, do not go this way. There's no life there, but the way pointing to life, he tells us those things. And that is our God in, these t- in this text. He gives, even from these early days, the right direction to where blessing in life truly comes. So this curse is on Canaan because the proclivity and the tendencies of the heart that, ha- that was embodied in Ham was going to be fully manifested in the Canaanites with their total disregard for dignity of human life, sexuality, and God. And God would say, I am going to curse this, this path, this way of life. They will be lowered. It says they will be a servant of servants, literally a slave of slave, lowered further and further into their own humiliation. Bondage to what they have given themselves over to. So he pronounces a curse, but we must realize these curses are only effective if God brings them about. It is God who actualizes these. But this curse does stand as a sign for his children of a clear way of death. No life. But I'm extremely thankful this morning that there's two parts to this oracle from Noah. If there wasn't the second part, we'd be left with, here's danger and just be like Shem and Japheth. Which would be terrible given over just good works or things like that. But no, he doesn't say that. Look what he says. He says, blessed be the Lord. He points us to the only direction for hope and blessing, and it is God himself. Blessed be the Lord. He points to him. He says, the God of Shem. Here's where true blessing lies. Blessing is in and only to be found and will only be experienced by his people in their relationship with Yahweh. God is to be praised. So Shem had his eyes on the Lord. He was his God. The greatest blessing pictured here is relationship with God. Yahweh is the name for God used here. Blessed be Yahweh. There's an amazing play on words. The name Shem actually just means name. Blessed be the Lord who is going to make his name great through the line of Shem. And we know that that is not detached from the amazing promise in Genesis 3.15 that God was going to send an offspring of Eve to crush the serpent, to eradicate sin and to bring blessing. So now we see that this Messiah and this Savior is going to come from the tents of Shem. The Old Testament keeps pointing us to him. From Seth, now it's going to be, this line lineage is going to come, now it's from Shem. That this blessing is going to come, this serpent is crushing it, is going to come from. And even more so is this wonderful news made manifest when we read that Japheth will be blessed by the Lord himself. Look at verse 27. May, the, may God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. Japheth resembles the nations. They too are going to find blessing in relation to Shem and his God. So it's not just blessing for Shem and his lineage, but it's blessing for the nations through the Messiah. And through faith, we know that we all can be made sons of Abraham. This is great news. So now we do. We take this message to them. We pursue the nations with this message. Be reconciled to God. Enjoy right relationship with him. So yes, God truly gives us hope even here amidst the darkness and reveals that all the blessings that Shem and Israel would receive are from the Lord and can be received by others. So this is a stark warning. Don't just give yourself to the way of Ham and curse and no blessing. Choose life. Look to the Lord. All parties in this section needed the grace of God, needed sins covered, needed forgiveness. And Jesus is the blessing we need the Gospel of Luke in chapter 3 shows Shem in the lineage of Jesus. And right after that, he said, John spoke and said, God's salvation is about to be revealed. And then Jesus comes. And let's marvel about that. We, had, we celebrated Easter not too long ago, where Jesus bore the sins of the world. He took them, and he died, and he rose So his sacrifice is able to bring home all the sons of Shem, Japheth, and marvelously even Canaanites as we see in scripture where Rahab gets able to be brought into the people of the Lord. And do you know how he did it? Do you know how our Savior has accomplished this? By being shamed for us. We who are sinners and under a curse, as the Bible tells us, lost to our own way, He was stripped bare. He was made to be the object of ridicule and shame, to be a public spectacle, beaten, mocked, derided, and hung on a tree, a Roman cross, aimed at one thing from taking someone who is still living and departing them from the world of the living. Even while you hung there on the cross, less and less like a human being. It's a place to scoff and mock. But yet that's what he did to restore us, to restore our humanity, Restore our, ourselves and cover our sin and remove our shame. It's by that blood that we are forgiven and cleansed. Blessed be the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you've been under the weight of this world or have experienced the shame at the hands of another, come to Christ and put your faith in Him. Know the joy and freedom of having that burden removed. Christ can bear it. And maybe you've sinned against someone else. Likewise, Come. Drunkenness, history of that, sensuality, scoffing, mocking, partaking in sin, come to Christ. He can bear it. For all we, like sheep, have turned astray and gone, each of us, to our own way. But God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. So, Christians, do we still marvel at that salvation? Is it what causes us to say, blessed be the Lord? We need to dwell long on the words of the hymnist which says, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? So let us, in light of being forgiven, let every corrupt thing depart from us, every corrupt piece of gossip, Flee from our mouths and hearts. And let it be replaced with only things that are good for building up and covering sin. Let all wrath and bitterness and anger and clamor and slander be put far from us. Instead, let us seize all opportunity to display the heart of God to a world in a similar way that Shem and Japheth did, that our Savior did. Let us be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us we have a wonderful salvation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even here in these early stages of the Bible, you tell us where true life lies. It's found in you. Blessing is found in you. And we thank you for your commitment and your faithfulness to bring forth your Messiah, to save us from this plight, to cover our sins, and to give us new hearts. So Father, Father, continue to capture us with the glories of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.